0: I'm Christina May, the online pastor at World Harvest Church in Enid, Oklahoma. You're about to hear a spirit-filled message from our pastor. So grab your Bible, and if you're a coffee lover like me, grab a cup of coffee, and get ready for a personal word that God has for you today. Let's dig into the Word of God today. I believe that the Lord has something that He wants to speak to every one of us here today. Um, If you are new to World Harvest Church, you can follow along on our notes either using the, the church app or you can use the YouVersion Bible app. If you go to the events section of that, you'll see World Harvest Church right there, where you can follow along. But I believe the Lord has something very powerful that he wants to speak to us today. So would you bow your head with me here in prayer as we prepare to receive. Father God, we thank you so much for this. We thank you so much for the time we've already had with you, Lord God, and just to worship. Lord, I, just, I, I believe that we were all so blessed to see the next generation, our young people up here leading us, Lord God. In a place of praise, and a place of worship, a place of intimacy with you, Lord God. and Lord, as you, as, as you are stirring something in every one of our hearts here today, Lord God. Father, I, I do pray that here over these next several moments that we have together, Lord Jesus, that, that you will speak something, or speak a word to us here today, Lord God. Father... This message that I'm about to bring, this is something that has been heavy upon me here for two weeks now, Lord God. Father, I pray that you just help me to bring forth exactly what you want brought forth here, to speak what you want spoken, Lord God. Father, give us the revelation today to see what you want us to see, to hear what you want us to hear, and to apply this to our lives today, Lord God. Father, I thank you that you are alive, that you are well, and that you're still speaking to us. And Father God, that there's a that you set us on in Jesus name we pray and everybody come on say it out loud and loud and proud with me amen and amen I want you to turn in your Bibles with me here to the book of Acts chapter 10 Acts chapter 10 and we are in a six-part teaching of a series that we started out several weeks ago and titled Missio Dei and how many of y'all know what that is Latin for anybody by now know Missio Dei is Latin for what? The mission of God. And over these last several weeks, we've been diving into the scriptures to find out what the mission of God is for our lives. We are all on a mission. None of us are here by happenstance. God created us. We're his workmanship. Come on, everybody say, God created me wonderful. Come on, we're his workmanship. We're created by him and for him to do the works that he has laid out before us. And there is an overlying mission for every one of us. That overlying mission, just in a little bit of review, is threefold. It is to what? Multiply, to go or to scatter, and then also to rule, to rule. And that word there rule means to really bring about God's way of doing things up on the earth today. This message that I'm gonna bring to you here today, this is gonna be the first of two parts of a message that I believe the Lord is speaking for this moment, for this hour. This is a message, as I said in my prayer, that I've been toiling with. I believe it is a message that I have yet to really confidently say, this is exactly it. So I'm just gonna just really dive into this here today and just see what the Lord does. And I believe that it's a very important message for us as the body of Christ today. So I want us to start out here in Acts chapter 10, in verse 38, I love this passage of scripture because when we think about the mission of God, the Missio day, the mission that we're all on, we can, of course, Jesus, he is the model for our life, right? He's the model for the way we're to live. He's our model for the way we're to treat each other. He's the model for how we we'll react in situations. And I love this passage of scripture in Acts chapter 10, verse 38, because it really gives in a brief scripture and just in a brief sentence, a summation of the ministry of Jesus. Now, we are a church that we love Jesus in this place, right? Come on, how many of y'all love Jesus today? Let me hear you. Amen. And our mission, our individual mission, or let me say it this way, the specific mission of World Harvest Church is to what? To take a real Jesus into a real world. So let's look at this one more time here. Acts chapter 10, verse 38, New Living Translation says this, and you know that God anointed Jesus. How many of y'all know Jesus was anointed by God? Come on, we've talked about that, okay, before. You know, the angel, excuse me, the Holy Spirit descended on him there. at His baptism, like a dove, he was filled with the Holy Spirit and with the Holy Spirit's power, all right? God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit. Come on, how many of y'all love the Holy Spirit? Amen. A couple of weeks ago we talked about Acts We're in verse 8, where Jesus said to go to Jerusalem, waiting, the power is gonna come. And in chapter 2, verse 4, the Holy Spirit came. Today just happens to be a celebration of Pentecost Sunday when the Holy Spirit came. How many of y'all know the Spirit of God is still alive and well? Amen. Amen. Maybe we better talk about that more in a future message. But anyway, this is what I want us to see. It says, Then Jesus, look what happened. Then Jesus went around doing what? Come on, Jesus went around, everybody say it with me, doing good and what else? Healing all who were oppressed by the devil for God was, everybody say it with me, with him. I love this passage of scripture because it's in this passage of scripture, we see the summation of the ministry of Jesus that says that he went about doing good in healing all that were oppressed of the devil. Church, I believe that today in our culture, in the society which we are living in today, that the enemy is still oppressing many people today. Man, we're coming out of a year, year and a half of craziness with covid But let me tell you, we're coming out of the craziness, but how many of you know the craziness hasn't stopped? There's still a whole lot of craziness. Now we're not necessarily dealing with the COVID virus, but we're dealing with a whole lot of other stuff that the devil is bringing around. Man, marriages are having issues today. We're seeing families falling apart. We see the struggle in life taking place today. And you know, I really believe it's just part of the human experience. As long as we're on this side of heaven, we're gonna have to deal with some craziness. Amen? Come on, I believe all. As long as we're on this side of heaven, we've got some work to do. Anybody with me here at World Harvest Church today? I I, I don't believe that we're gonna get to this this place where suddenly everything is just rosy and everything is wonderful. I don't think we're on this side of heaven gonna get to a utopic state. Because we live in a broken world, the world is broken. Because of the results of sin, this world is messed up. Now, thank God for salvation, for the experience that we can have with Jesus Christ. We are redeemed, right? Come on, our bodies have been redeemed. We are redeemed. We are redeemed people. If you know Jesus, you're saved. You're going to heaven. woo praise God. Amen. But the world that we live in, it is not redeemed yet. It is still very much broken. And I believe that's why we so, see so many crazy things happening today. So, such a mess. Let me, it's encouraging to me to know that this world is not my home. But as a Christian, I want to leave my world better off because I was in it though. Amen. So Jesus, he says, he went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed. So now I truly believe in the mystery of your day that our mission of God is to do what Jesus did, right? I love the way the Message Bible puts Acts chapter 10, verse 38. And it says this in the Message Bible. It says, Jesus arrived from Nazareth, anointed by God, with the Holy Spirit, ready for action. Church, are you ready for action? You know, I know in the natural, many of us, man, you know, we've had a crazy year. Many are going on vacations. Thank God you're getting a vacation. If you haven't taken a vacation yet, take a vacation. Come on, anybody take, anybody ready for vacation? Come on, we need... But we cannot disconnect spiritually from the environment that we are in right now. Listen, it's okay for some rest. Jesus, I mean, the word of God talks very strongly about a Sabbath, about resting, right? But we can't be in a perpetual rest. And there's one thing that's kind of getting me stirred up, that I believe that the church of today, the church of America has become very complacent. We're 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 on a perpetual rest, and I believe that God is calling us as the body of Christ, as Christians, as World Harvest Church, and as individuals a part of this region of Oklahoma. It's time that we, come on. We got to step up and quit being so complacent. I, I love what it says here. He he says uh, uh, he was ready for action. Come on, say I'm ready for action. He went through the. I love the, what the Message Bible says. He went through the country helping people, and healing everyone. And see, I love the way the message puts this. Who was beaten down by the devil? Do you know anybody that's beaten down in your world today? Come on, there's a lot of beaten down people. And and this is really what's stirring my heart today. The beaten down people aren't necessarily none of the non-Christians, but I know a lot of beaten down Christians today. A lot of people that are going through some trials and tribulations today. But I believe if Jesus Christ lives inside of us, come on, we're not victims in this life, we're victors, amen? God has created us to triumph in every situation, amen? We gotta rise above the mess. When we think about this, what the words of the Message Bible said, beaten down by the devil, I believe this is a good description of the world that we're living in right now. Because there's two forces working right now. There's the power of God, but there's also the power of the enemy. Jesus said in John chapter 10, verse 10, he says, the enemy comes to do what? To steal, to kill, and to destroy. But Jesus said, I've come to give life, and those forces are still working in our world today. Let me tell you, it's time that we bring life into our world today. Come on, that we bring Jesus into our world today. Come on, that we take a real Jesus to a real world today. Anybody with me here in this church? Amen. When we think of the craziness and the messed up world that we're living in, what are we gonna do about it? See, I believe that Jesus wants us to help bring healing hope and his presence and his power into the world today if you would turn with me to matthew chapter 23 and i'm going to look at something here that jesus told the pharisees one day when he encountered these very religious people and i believe that today that spirit of the pharisee if you don't know the history of the bible the pharisees we're a group of religious leaders in Jesus' time that Jesus had more conflict with than anybody else. The religious leaders, if we could modernize it to today's terminology, we could say Jesus had more problems with the church people than anybody else. And I think that spirit of the Pharisee still seems to be alive today in churches today. Not, not you guys, the people at the 11 o'clock service. I'm probably talking about them, not the nine o'clock service people, right? But I want, to, I want us to look at this here. It's in Matthew chapter 23. I don't have time to really set the context to this scripture, but Jesus, he has encountered the Pharisees at many different times. And every time he encountered them, he was always rebuking them or scolding them. And this is one of those passages of scriptures. It's in verse 23. He's having this confrontation with them. And he says, what sorrow awaits you teachers of religious law and you Pharisees. He calls them hypocrites, hypocrites. He says, for you're careful, notice this, to to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb gardens, but you ignore the more important aspects of the law. And he identifies three of them. He identifies them as what? Help me out. Justice, mercy, and faith. Now look what Jesus said. You should tithe. Yes, come on, how many of y'all believe in honoring God with our income? Anybody at World Harvest Church? And let me just say this, thank you for every one of you that embraced that principle. Thank you for honoring God with your tithe. Thank you for giving. Thank you for your support. And I believe that the Lord continues to bless you. He's gonna take care of your needs because you're honoring him. Tithe is not about giving to a church. Tithe is simply honoring God with what God has given you, amen? Because if we fully embrace the principle at World Harvest Church, that we're owners of nothing, the stewards of it all. And we're not giving our tithe, we're just returning our tithe back to God. Amen? So Jesus talks about the tithe principle right here in the New Testament. People say, well, tithing's not in the New Testament. It's right here. Jesus himself talks about and commends these guys for tithing. But he says this, but, in other words, he's saying, you're doing good, but don't neglect the more, what? Important things. Don't neglect the more important things. Now, Jesus identified three things that were more important. What were they? Justice. Justice. Come on, help me out here. Come on, stay with me. Justice, mercy, and what was the third? And Faith. So Jesus is having this dialogue with these Pharisees, and he's like, hey, good job for this one area of your life. But just because you do good in one area doesn't mean you're doing good in all areas. Come on. Just because you come to church on a Sunday morning, you know, and you get your proverbial gold star, woo, glad you're here. But how many I you know there's more? Come on, you, you may have honored God with your tithe this week. You may send it in online. You may have done it through the church app. You may drop it in the black box out there. You may have put it in the mail. Good job. But there is, help me out, what? more. There's more. And I dare to say that if we could get a greater revelation of this, that we would take care of a lot of issues in our society today. He says, good job on that, but there's more. So let's look at this more here. Let's just, again, uh, try to unpack this, what I believe that Jesus is speaking to us here today. How many of you know there's a need for mercy? The need for mercy. Let's talk about mercy, first of all. What is mercy? Mercy is simply compassion. Compassion. Mercy, and, and I do believe that the church as a whole in America has been merciful to an extent. But when we think about mercy, what is mercy again? Mercy is the ability to bestow compassion upon an individual, all right? classic story of mercy being given is found in Luke chapter 10 with the story of the good Samaritan. And I'm not going to read through that. I do want to read though verse uh, 36 and verse 37 here in just a moment, but let me just set the story up for you real quick. Jesus in a teaching moment with the disciples, he tells a story, uh, actually wasn't just the disciples, a bunch of group of people, people was asking him, who's your neighbor? And so Jesus goes into the story, what we know is the good Samaritan. And he says, there was a Jewish man who was on a traveling, he was on a trip and he was in you know, the back area and he got ambushed. He got attacked, he got robbed. He was beaten up and thrown into the ditch. Jesus goes in and tells a story. Now he's telling the story with not just the disciples, but also the religious leaders of the day. And he uses a story, a couple different things is. First of all, the Jewish man, the, the first subject of the story was a Jewish man fell on hard times. Beaten up, bruised, wounded in the ditch. Now, Jesus used the story, he says, and then there was a priest that came by. Now, for us in our Western mindset, it's hard for us to truly understand the depth of this peril, but because we don't understand what took place at the time. A priest, a priest of the temple, a priest, number one, was a Jewish man. So a Jewish, in the, Jew, Jewish man in the ditch, Jewish priest comes by. It says there, he looked at the man and he went on his way. Jesus tells there was a second man that came by and he says he was a temple assistant. That would be the equivalent to like a church staff member or a church, somebody serving at the church. It says that the temple assistant comes by, sees the man in the ditch, and what does he do? He goes the other way. Now, the third man up on the scene that comes by is a Samaritan person, a guy from Samaria. Now, for us in our Western mindset, it was like, oh, that's just another dude. No, he was not just another guy. Because Jesus talking to his disciples who were Jewish people speaking in a Jewish context with the, the, the leaders of the church. Jesus says, that a Samaritan, immediately when he says the word Samaritan, what happens to Jewish people? Their necks bristle. They have this, uh, the Jewish people this time was the most prejudiced people around. We think about prejudice in our culture today. Listen, this was a very prejudiced society. The Jewish people believed that they were better than anybody else. They were the chosen people of God. Yes, they were, but they got it out of context. They put too much emphasis on that and they thought they were better than the Samaritan people. The Jewish people looked at Samaritans as dogs, as low lives, okay? So immediately when Jesus says a Samaritan comes by, immediately everybody's hearing the story, they're like, whoa, where are you going with us, Jesus? We don't like Samaritans. But Jesus says that the Samaritan man, he saw the man in the ditch and what did he do? It says he took him, he bound his wounds up, he took care of him. He even took him to a hotel. And he told the innkeeper, take care of this man until he recovers. He says, I'll be back again. And if you need more money that I'm getting ready to leave you to bring this man to a place of recovery, I will gladly pay it. Jesus tells a story about the good Samaritan taking care of the guy that was in the ditch. And then he turned to the guys who was here in the story and says, who is that? Who was the good neighbor to that guy in the ditch? And it was obvious. The man they despised, the Samaritan people. That was a slap in the face to everybody that heard that story that day. But what a tremendous picture of mercy that we see because Jesus wraps that story up with verse 36 and 37 of Luke chapter 10. He says, now which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by the bandits? Jesus asked verse 37. The man replied, the one who showed him mercy. And what did Jesus say? Come on, help me out, church. Yes, now what? Go do the same. Go do the same. I dare to say this, that showing mercy is something that is more natural to give for the Christians. Let me say it for this one, for us as a church. I would dare to say if I announced that, hey, uh, uh, Friday night, we're gonna feed the homeless. Would you come out and serve the homeless? You know what, there'd be a lot of people show up. If I said something, you know, we're gonna do whatever it is. We got some people hurting, we're gonna go serve them. You know, we'd have a lot of people show up. That's mercy. Mercy, the ability to show compassion. And and we're supposed to show mercy to those that are hurting around us. And we don't have a problem with that. Many people like they're more than willing to serve. But let me tell you what's going on right now in our our society, church. We we, we are facing now this, what we call cancel culture. I I, I fully hadn't understood this. And you know, it's, 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 How many of y'all realize the older you get, you kind of don't understand some of the terminology of the generation coming behind you? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Uh, Sydney said something up here on the stage and I don't remember what she said, but I looked at Tammy and I said, that's a good thing, right? I can't remember exactly what she said already. Um, This cancel culture, but cancel culture, Basically, what's going on is we see our society if somebody doesn't act like we act, we what they call they're canceled. Like, I ostracize you, I do not need you in my life. The division lines have become very bold and very defined in our culture today because we are falling into this trap, and the world has fallen into this trap that if somebody makes a stance for something they don't like, they Simon, cancel. I have no need for you. Now church, God did not call us to cancel people. The guy in the ditch, I, I don't know why the high priest, I don't know why the temple assistant, I don't know why they didn't go help him. Maybe they saw the guy in the ditch and said, well, I wonder what he did to deserve that. The Samaritan, he didn't care what the guy did. He saw a guy and helped and he said, I'm gonna help the guy. We're living in a time where there's too much of this canceling people because of belief. I, I have learned this, that if I am truly on a mission field, and I believe that I am, if I'm truly put into a place where the Missio day, the mission of God is for me to go into all the world, to preach the gospel, to make disciples, to rule and reign, then I'm going to be in an environment where not everybody thinks like I think. Not everybody's gonna look like I look. Not everybody's gonna act the way I want them to act. Do I cancel them because of that or do I love them in their mess? Church, I dare to say that we are called to love the people in their mess. I believe that we're called to love people even when they don't think like us or act like us. Amen. And over this last year and a half, what have we seen? We've seen our society falling apart because there's two minutes of this. I cancel you, I've ostracized you because you don't act like I want to act, like I think. We've seen this happen right here in our very own community. Lord Jesus, the whole mask or no mask. I, as I look back on that, I think how, how shallow was our culture for people to get bent out of shape, to lose a Christianity because of 12 inches of material. When there's greater issues, there are people that are dying and going to hell and people are getting upset and cussing other people out because they don't believe they way, the way, way they want to. I better back off here, I'm getting fired up here. <laughs> let me let me stay on it. There is a need for mercy. We are not supposed to cancel people. We are to what? Love them. But remember what Jesus said to the Pharisees? He says, listen, you're doing good on this area, but the greater things are what? Justice, help me out, what else? Mercy and what else? Let's talk about justice for just a moment. The need for justice, the need for justice. Listen. How many of y'all know God loves us? Yeah. I dare to say, let me give you an illustration of this, that I believe that just like this $20 bill that I have before us today, I believe that for this $20 bill to be uh, something of value and to be used in the world that we live in, for it to be genuine, it's gotta have not just one side, but it's gotta have what? It's got to have both sides for it to be real. I believe in the same way that God's love is the same. There are the two sides to God's love. I believe there is the grace side to God's love. We love grace, do we not? Come on, we love grace. But we also know that according to the scriptures, even it says in Hebrews, I think I've got it here my notes, Hebrews chapter 12, verse six, it says, the Lord corrects the people he loves and he disciplines those he calls his own. I don't know about you, but I love God and I believe God loves me. If God loves me, then he's not gonna just give me grace, he's gonna give me discipline. Come on, every parent in this room, you've gotta have both sides of love. If all you have is grace raising your kids, then you're gonna raise a very spoiled, self-centered child, right? If all you have is judgment or the discipline without grace, then you're gonna have a rebellious child. As a parent, we've gotta have both sides to that. In our parenting skills, now that we've done our time, I mean, we, we raised our kids, <laughs> we did our time, we raised our kids, I've noticed this, that in every marriage, there's one that's probably more of a disciplinarian and one that's more graceful. I was the graceful one in our home. I was always, oh honey, just give them one more chance, they really didn't mean it. Tammy was like, no, they broke the law, they broke the rules, they gotta be disciplined. So together, guess what? We made great parents because we brought balance into the home. If we would have been, both of us, all grace and we never brought discipline to our kids, we would be dealing with some very spoiled self-centered children today. So on. I've already hit that. So this is the same way that God's love, I believe it is also, there is the grace side, but there is also the judgment side, the judgment side. Jesus, again, back here in Matthew chapter 23, what did he say? He says, this is a very part of the, a very important aspect of law, justice. Justice, what is justice? Justice is a pretty big topic. But justice, let me see if I can define justice for you here in just a brief moment. Justice, it is the quality of being guided by truth. Everybody say truth. It's the quality of being guided by the truth. It means reason or fairness. It means moral rightness, okay? It also, next part of that definition, it's the administering of deserved punishment or reward. It's administering of deserved punishment or reward. That's what justice is. Justice, and I like that first part there where it says it's, it's quality of being guided by the truth, okay? Now, just to take a, maybe a complicated definition and simplify it, I define justice as this, making wrong things right. Now, what's interesting, and we think about justice, I'll be honest with you, I've been raised in church all my life, I, I could probably count on one hand how many times I've heard a sermon about justice. But when it comes to grace, I cannot count how many messages I've heard about grace in church today. Countless of them, many of them. I talk about it a lot. But when it comes to justice, it seems like we're quiet about this. I don't want to be like the Pharisees where Jesus said, hey, you're doing good. You did good tithing. If I could just, you know, elaborate on, you did good on tithing. You did good on your church attendance. You showed some mercy, but justice, where was the justice? Where was justice? Hmm. So let's dig in just a little bit deeper. It's interesting to note that justice is not just a subject in the Bible that's just mentioned one or two times. I was floored when I studied this this week to see that justice is referred to 171 times in the scriptures. Wow. What's the difference between mercy and justice? Let me me define this just a little bit further. Just, you know, you think about the story I just told you with the Good Samaritan. What a tremendous story of mercy, right? The Good Samaritan, he was merciful. He showed compassion to somebody who probably despised him, but yet he still showed what? Mercy. So that was a good picture. Mercy, what would have happened if justice would have played out in the story of the Good Samaritan? Mercy helped the guy. Justice would have went after the guys that did it. Let me me just give you a little bit more illustration here. Let's say that at my house, let's say, for instance, I don't have it. I wish I did. Let's say that a stream ran down the back of my house, by my house. Let's say tomorrow morning that I wake up and out in the stream, I see a guy, he's, beaten, he's bruised, he's bleeding, he's out of it. Mercy goes to the man and helps the man and takes him to the hospital. Let's say Tuesday morning, I wake up, same thing. Another guy is in the river. He's hurting, he's bleeding. Something's wrong with him. Mercy, out of mercy, I go help him. I go take care of his wounds. I get him to the hospital. Let's say Wednesday morning, the same thing happens. Another guy in the river, bleeding, dirty, hurting. Mercy applies. Now, justice, if I was to operate in justice, I would get myself up to the river and find out what is going on up at that river. What's causing these guys to fall in the river? That's the difference between mercy and justice. And let me say it again. I think we're pretty good with mercy. But church, are we good with justice? Making wrong things right. Church, we're not called just to be merciful, but we're also called to be justifying, to bring justice upon in the world that we live in, now I don't have time to dive into this, but justice—you've got to have. Uh, let me rephrase it: the basis for judgment is truth. Truth. Uh, I, I, I had a conversation with our district attorney this week, just just kind of dialoguing about this subject, and he said something so profound to me. I'd never heard it put this way before. Because we understand grace, and this is what he said to me. He said, there is no grace without judgment. There is no grace, judgment. Judgment is upholding the truth of the law. Okay, when we think about law, law there is man's law, right? Man has established laws, but there is a higher law, I think, that backs everything, and that's God's law. God's law, or we can call it moral law, right? Without a definitive law, uh, without a definitive truth, without a definitive, this is what truth is, then judgment is relative, then grace is fleeting, okay? Judgment is, uh, uh, okay, in other words, let me make sure I'm unpacking this where you can understand. In my home, we had certain rules and regulations, rules in our home. If you broke the rules, you faced the consequences. Without the rule, there would be no consequences to be paid, okay? This is why I believe that we've got to understand that God's kingdom is about, yes, it's about grace, but it's also about judgment. But there is no grace without judgment. They, they work, they partner together in this thing, all right? So we think about truth. What is truth? This is why moral relativism it doesn't work, because unless we all have a set law, God's law, unless we have an absolute truth to live by, if truth is, is defined by each person's situation, then there is no punishment to ensue. In other words, if we set a curfew of 11 o'clock in our home, which we did with our kids, there was a definitive moment we could say, yes, you're in grace or you're in punishment. But where there's no movement, in other words, the kids if we just said, kids, you set your own, Curfew, how many of y'all know that could be two o'clock, that could be 12, that could be anywhere. This is what's going on in our culture today. We're losing the, the sense of absolute truth and now we're determining that man's opinion is what makes the rules of what's right and wrong. How many of y'all know, man, that's, that's ridiculous. We've gotta have the absolute truth of the word of God because judgment and grace don't work unless you have an absolute truth in this thing, Amen. All right, let me just illustrate a little bit further. I heard this story about a guy who had a really good friend who was a judge. Well, the guy gets a ticket one day for speeding. So he goes to his friend, the judge, and says, hey, would you mind taking care of this ticket for me? His best friend, the judge, says, well, let me see what I can do. A couple months goes by, the good friend talking with the judge. He tells the judge, thank you for getting me out of that ticket. The judge says, I didn't get you out of the ticket. The man says, what do you mean you didn't get me out of the ticket? What happened? The judge said, I paid your ticket. I paid the fine for your ticket. The man said, why did you do that for? I thought you could get me off. And the judge said, did you break the law? The man said, well, yeah, I did. And the judge said this, you broke the law, so there's punishment for breaking the law. He said, so I paid the ticket for you. That's grace and action." See, you and I, we have a debt that we cannot pay for sin. But instead of us having to pay the debt, Jesus said, I'll pay the debt for them. So for anybody that starts a relationship with Jesus Christ and surrenders to him, the debt that we owe for the sin that we've committed and we've all committed sin in our life, Jesus said, I'll pay that. I'll pay that. You see that there is no grace without judgment. Because of the judgment, grace comes into play. Amen? So we see, we've we, 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 we gotta have not just mercy, but justice. Now, let me wrap up in, with this. What role does justice play in the life of a Christian today? What are we supposed to do with this message today? Now, when we look at the world around us, do you see any injustices? What is an injustice? It's things that are not right. Things that are wrong. Again, we live in a broken world right now. There are a lot of things wrong in our world today. Let me give you a couple scriptures here. Psalms 37, verse 28. Let me shotgun you real quick. New Living Translation. For the Lord loves justice. He will never abandon the godly. He will keep them safe forever, but the children of the wicked will die. Psalms 182, verse three and four. Look at this. Give justice to the poor and to the orphan. Uphold the rights of the oppressed and the destitute. Verse four, rescue the poor and the helpless. Deliver them from the grasp of evil people. Look what it says in Proverbs 31. Now again, this is just three verses out of 170 something that I could give you right now. Proverbs 31 verse eight. Speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. Ensure justice for those being crushed. Speak for the poor and the helpless and see that they get, help me out what, church? We live in a world where there's a lot of injustices going on. So here's my question to you. How do you know what to stand for? Well, let me just give you just real quick, just what stirs your heart? When you look around in our culture today, what makes you mad? I'm not talking about a mask. I'm not talking about these these little things. Uh, The district attorney on the conversation, he said, you know what's crazy? He said, in the culture we live in today, he said, if we are bringing to trial a case that involves animal cruelty, he said, my email inbox blows up. He said, I get emails from all over the world, people telling me this, we are watching this and you better do it right. He says, if we are persecuting a case for child abuse, he said, nobody speaks up. This is what I'm talking about. I think too many people are fighting the wrong battles. Where's justice today? What does this look like in our life? Let me tell you, we are living in a world. uh, Let let me uh, refine that a little bit closer. We're living in a region of Oklahoma where the spirit of addiction is very much alive and well. Where people, the spirit of alcoholism, uh, drugs, pornography is running rampant in our culture. Now mercy comes in and helps the people that are involved, but justice wants to do something about the situation. Does it make you mad? We're living in a culture right now where marriages are failing. Now we can minister to the couples, but what are we doing about it? What, is, what justice can we bring to the scene? We're living in a world, listen church, where women are being abused, where children are being abused. Ask our DA, you know, cause I've been hearing the subject of child abuse, you know, during the shutdown, the numbers of child abuse cases dropped dramatically. But the thinking was this, the reason why they are dropped is because they're not being reported because kids weren't in school. So I asked him, I said, what are you seeing with child abuse right now? This is what he said. He said, oh yeah. He says, we're seeing an uptick of cases again, but this is what broke my heart. He said, but the extremity of them are skyrocketing right now. This is in our own community. Abuse has taken place in our own community. Where's the justice for these things? Racial tensions? (laughs) Hey, I think we're doing better than some of the other parts of the country, but we still got issues. We still got a lot of issues right here. Church, we can show mercy, but where's justice? I think God's calling us not to be just merciful, but be bringing his rule and reign. What does that look like for us as a church? I really don't fully understand. I really don't know the answers yet. I do know one thing we're working on, we're hoping to be ready to launch this fall is our youth center. Because we're living in a world in here in Oklahoma where we're seeing children raised in fatherless homes. And I use fatherless, not absent fathers, but fatherless because there's a lot of homes. The numbers of kids being raised in a home without a father is, is substantially high. But even more yet, there's kids being raised with the father that's present. Are the present, that's there, but not present in their life. So part of justice is our United youth center we're gonna be launching this fall or sometime in the near future. There's other things working in our culture. Let's don't just show mercy, but let's bring justice to the situation. And I'm gonna pick up on this subject next week. You don't wanna miss out because I believe there's something very spiritual, a spiritual moment in our next week's service to help bring justice to hurts and pains from the past that's happened in Oklahoma. We're gonna address that next week. Let me close with this. Let me tell you a little story, just real quickly, it's a short story. Of a young man who at nine years of age, living in Uganda, his parents were imprisoned by Adi Amin's regime. From nine years old to the next nine years of his life, he was forced to live on the streets. Can you imagine that? All of a sudden, at nine years of age, your parents are absent, you're taken, put into prison. <clears throat> it was on the streets that he learned to exist, he learned to survive. It was on the streets that he had to fight for food every day, had to fight for his very existence. At the age of 18, there was a pastor in that village that took him in. And over those next few years that this young man began to understand the importance of family and how just simply being able to identify with a family, he was able to be restored. He was able to get to a place that he could mentally think. That young man became an adult He married a young lady who was trafficked, who was sex trafficked by her uncle, who the girl had to go because of her parents dying to live with the uncle. The uncle sold her as a sex slave. She was able to escape from Rwanda where she was raised and get to Uganda that young man that lived on the street and this young woman who escaped sex trafficking and eventually married. And their names are David and Esther Kamanzi, our missionaries that we've been working with for the last few years in Uganda. And you know what a lot of their ministry is? Man, they can preach the gospel. But they go to the dumps and they rescue the unwanted kids out of the dumps. They're rescuing ladies, young girls that are caught in sex trafficking. In other words, they've understood the principle of this. God took us out of the mess. And now not only do we wanna show mercy, but we wanna bring some justice to the situations. What is God saying to us in this message? Can I be brutally honest? I am not fully sure yet. All I know is this is something the Lord stirred in my heart to bring to us today about mercy and justice. So I think we all, including myself, got to ask God the question, God, what are you saying? What are you saying? I do know myself and you, this is our activation today. I would just encourage all of us here this week just to give attention to the world around us. Do we see injustices in our world? And then ask ourselves the question, what are we supposed to do about that? That's a big question, that's a big ask. But how many of y'all are challenged by that? Anybody in this church? Come on, how many of y'all will work on that this week? Will you do that? I want you to stand to your feet with me here this morning. Again, this is the message that the Lord stirred in my heart to bring today. This is what I would call a heavier message. This isn't one of those that just makes you wanna shout and dance and jump around. But I believe it's the Holy Spirit speaking. Because I've said it many times, what a shame it would be for us to live our life as a Christian, but never do anything about it in our world around us. What a shame would it be for us to get into heaven, and look around and nobody's in heaven because of us being in their life. What a shame. See, as a church, I think justice, part of our justice mission is this, let's make it hard for people to go to hell from Enid. Anybody else with me? How's that gonna happen? There's an aspect of inviting them and getting them to church or watching online, but how it's gonna happen is that's going into their world and taking a real Jesus. Not Jesus on the cross, not Jesus, you know, in the manger, but a Jesus that is alive and well, Jesus that can invade our lives, that can correct those things that need to be corrected and then empower us with the Holy Spirit to move on and make a difference in our world. That's the Jesus that I'm talking about today. Anybody with me here today? Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord God. For our time together here this morning, Lord Jesus, Lord, I just, again, I I lay this message down on the altar before you and these people today, Lord God, I, I feel that I spoke exactly what you've been stirring in my heart to speak. So Lord, I just, even as myself, I'm still processing through this. I'm still trying to wrap my mind around what you're speaking, but Lord God, I do believe that this is a word in season for each and every one of us here today. Lord, we all have the the badge of mercy. Lord, how many really have the badge of justice? Lord, I don't want to get to heaven and you look at me like you did the Pharisees and say, you did good in those areas, but what about that? What about justice? Father God, I just pray that you help every one of us this week. Help us to look at the things and see the things that are wrong in our society and try to do our best to make them right to do what we can Lord for so many we've we've hit our head in the sand we haven't wanted to look at situations but Lord I believe that you're stirring the church to help be the answer to the societal problems that we see today in our world so Lord help us help us help us Let's all say this together. Just say, Father God, here I am, use me. Lord, help me to bring mercy and justice into the world that I live in. Lord, help me to see what you want me to see this week. Jesus' name. Thanks again for listening. We hope that this message inspires, challenges, and fuels you up to take a real Jesus to a real world. If you'd like to connect with us in any way, please go to harvestinacom connect. Or if you'd like to learn more about us as a church, please go and check us out at harvestenid.com. We can't wait to share another message with you next week.